0: You're good. Well, again, I hope everybody had a, a great Thanksgiving on so many levels. Um, regardless of what you might be going through in life, we still have so many things to be thankful for uh, in this place that we live. It's. It is phenomenal. Uh, we are excited about the men's ministry. I, I didn't mention it. Uh, we've left the, the prayer quilt up here one more week. So if you would want to after service, we'd love to have you stop by. There's little strings on there, just tie a couple knots. And as you do that, bring in prayer for, for Melvin um, and offer some encouragement to him. What an opportunity that is. Such a simple thing, such a simple thing to do. Um, and we all get to participate in that. We've gone with this verse the whole series, and don't be surprised if we continue in this verse for a little while longer. 2 Corinthians 9:15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That is the season that we're in. So welcome to Thanksgiving. Welcome to the, the holiday season. Christmas season is upon us. December starts this week. Remember. To be honest, though, as a believer in Christ, if you claim the name of Jesus, every day of your life should be filled with thanksgiving for what he has done for us. Now, for me personally, I can only speak from myself, so keep that in mind, but my list of things to be thankful for is not shrinking. It is ever-growing. It is ever growing. For me personally, it begins at this phase of life with life itself. How many of you are thankful just for life itself? Maybe there's a chance you couldn't be here today. That's me. I'm in double overtime. If you're familiar with my story after a kidney transplant five years ago and then a heart attack last year, um, I'm in double overtime. I don't take any moment that God gives me for granted, nor should you, because every moment is a gift from God. I still, I still can't believe it after 26 and a half years now that my wife was willing to marry me. I'm still thankful for that. Like, I still don't know what she was thinking, but I'm glad maybe, maybe she wasn't thinking. Maybe that was it. But anyway, whatever. I am thankful for that. Even to this day, it's, it's, a, it's a miracle, quite honestly. I'm thankful for the rest of my family, my extended family. My grandma is here today, and so I'm thankful that she's here today. How exciting is that to have your grandma get to come be a part of what you get to do for a living? Um, there's this huge long list of things to be outrageously thankful for, and among that list is you. Each and every one of you, I am incredibly thankful for. I know maybe you, you don't think about what I get to do as something to be thankful for, getting to speak with each of you each week. But this is something I am incredibly, incredibly thankful for. What an opportunity, what a gift from God for sure. Last week, we had you uh, put on paper. We actually had you write down and reflect on something that, that you were giving, thanks, giving praise to God for. We don't do that very often. We don't stop and actually write things down ever anymore, quite honestly, because everything is digital. Sure, we would display it on Facebook or something like that, but, but we don't actually take time to write things down. We displayed all those cards. If you got coffee or a snack this morning, then you'll see those cards all posted on the wall there. Take, take a moment. Stop and, and read what's on some of those cards. Share with one another. Be thankful for the things other people are thankful for. I mean, I'm going to be very honest When was the last time, even in this place, where you had a conversation with someone on a Sunday morning, and you shared with one another something that you were genuinely thankful for? What do our conversations usually revolve around? Maybe we should involve that in these conversations. Maybe we should spend a little more time focusing on what God has done and what God is doing in our lives, rather than on what is happening in this world around us. What if we spent a little more time praising our creator and a little less time, how do I say, complaining? I mean, wouldn't that be okay? Wouldn't that be a good thing for us to do? I think. Here's the problem, though. That's a spirit thing. That's not a human thing. That's not a fleshly desire to give thanks, to give praise, to not complain, okay? This is a spirit thing. If you were filled with Jesus Christ and you were filled with his spirit, Now, you can look at the world from your perspective, absolutely, or you can choose to allow the Spirit to help you see this world in which we live through the eyes of God, to allow the Spirit to be your guide, to be your encourager, to allow the Spirit within you to shine out from within you so that other people come in contact, not with you, but with His Spirit, this world, you might not know this, this world's actually a pretty negative place. I, you might not have picked up on that, but I'm, I promise you, if, if, if you've lived under a rock for the last few millennia, then you wouldn't know, but most of us know. You and I, absolutely, we might be going through something very difficult in our lives right now. Don't, don't belittle that. We're not trying to say you should just look past that. That's not it at all. As a matter of fact, our Jesus promised us, in fact, that we would go through difficult times in this life. He knows that. But here's the thing. He didn't just share that truth and then say, all right, good luck. You're on your own. Have a nice life. That's not it at all. He came to provide this hope, the only hope truthfully that exists within this world. He loves you unconditionally. He provides for our needs He offers guidance and direction and so much more. What we must do is stop what we're doing, look away from the world, and look toward him. Because every good and perfect gift is is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. James 1, 17, that passage is so important. The end of that, if there's nothing else, you can't think of anything to be thankful to God for, here you go, he doesn't change. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a rock, he's absolute. There is no difference in him ever. That's something to be thankful for, church, in this world that's ever changing. The Apostle Paul reminds us many times throughout his letters to the various churches to be thankful but this one passage just kind of sums it all up from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Now, if there was a period there, you'd be like, okay, that's kind of hard. But he adds just a little bit more. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Have you ever asked, God, what's your will for my life? I just read it to you. This is God's will for your life, to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. That is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Is it an easy request? (laughs) No. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, I'll be very honest with you, there's only one way you'll ever be able to accomplish God's will in your life. There's only one way you'll ever be able to live this out, and that is if you allow the Spirit of God to take over. That's it. There's no other way. The spirit must be within us. He must constantly be reminding us of his presence because we forget at times that is something to be thankful for. Again, if there was nothing else on planet earth to be thankful for, the presence of God through his spirit in your life would be more than worth praising him for. So today we're going to take a look at a few brief examples of thankfulness, outrageous thankfulness from scripture. A few weeks ago, I shared with you that I, I, I pulled the staff. I, I, I hollered at everybody. We have a big office. And so I, I hollered at everybody, and we had this long distance communication down the hallway of what their favorite items were for um, their faith, their favorite example of outrageous faith within Scripture. This time, I thought that was fun. Not was fun I enjoyed hearing their stories and their reasons. So I thought it would be fun to ask their spouses. So I did that for this week. So I asked Alyssa, and I asked Holly, and I asked Kristen, and I asked Jeff what their favorite example of outrageous thankfulness was from the word of God. Who were these people? Why were they so thankful? How can their stories impact our lives or inspire us today? So here we go. As we look at Alyssa's, I'm going to leave you with a very simple phrase to put in the front of your brain to process this whole story through, by faith. Abraham. It's only three words. By faith, Abraham. Run everything through that. Now, those words are from Hebrews, which we talked about a few weeks ago, but they absolutely set the stage for the story that we're going to read from Genesis today. This is the story of Abraham and Isaac, Genesis chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. It begins with a phrase, sometime later. So we don't know exactly when this was in their lives, but God tested Abraham. He hollered at him. He said, hey, Abraham. We don't know exactly when this was. We do know it was after Abraham had been called by God out of the land of Ur into this new promised land. It was after the birth of his impossible son, Isaac, the son of promise. He was to be the seed from which a mighty nation would be built, a line from which the Jewish faith would come into existence, the line from ultimately the Messiah would come. Abraham replied, here I am. And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Now, we're to give thanks in all situations. Abraham's relationship with God was really still pretty new at this phase of life. He he hadn't known God his entire existence. This was all part of this new plan that he was a part of. How is it possible for Abraham to give thanks in regards to that request? Now, here's a really difficult thing. As we read that passage, as we study that story, we cannot even imagine God asking such a thing of someone because we have a different view of God than what Abraham would have. We have this thing called the Ten Commandments. We have the law of Moses. We have all the teachings of Jesus. None of that existed yet at this point in time in Abraham's relationship with God. So God would not have looked at, God, or Abraham would not have looked at God's requests in the same way you or I would have. There was no standard, if you will, to hold it against. Abraham believed something about God that probably many of us would struggle to believe. He believed that his son could be resurrected from the dead. So if God, for some reason, called upon his son's life, he believed that his son would rise again somehow, some way out there. Here's the thing. God does not approve of child sacrifice in any way, shape, or form. He is absolutely 100% opposed to that. The pagan cultures of the day practice such things. He has not, nor will he ever approve of killing our children, born or unborn. He will not approve of us mutilating our children and their bodies, regardless of what society says. He does not approve of us abandoning our children, He does not approve of us intentionally exposing our children to the outrageous sin that this world now calls normal. This for Abraham is an outrageous test of his faith, which we know he passes later on. It says that early the next morning, he and the gang got up, loaded up the donkey. They took some servants. He took Isaac with them. He took some wood. They took some fire with them. They set out for the place that God was sending them. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back. Wait a minute. Did you catch that? We will worship and then we will come back to you. That's not possible. Everyone around him is looking for the sacrifice a lamb or some other animal. Abraham just gave them assurance that they would both return. You see, there's only one person in this whole group of people that knows what's about to happen, and that's Abraham. He's the only one that knows God's request. Look at his faith in just that statement alone. So it says, Abraham took the wood and and gave it to Isaac to carry up the mountain. He had the fire and the knife. The two of them went together. Somewhere along that mountain journey, Isaac asked a very legitimate question. Hey, dad, where's the sacrifice? What's up with that, dad? Dad? He said, well, God will provide. That was it. It's a great question that Isaac had. God will provide. What do you think of the answer? He obviously had great trust in his father. Would that answer suffice for you? Would you need more information? What is Abraham doing here? Abraham is demonstrating his incredible faith in God for his son Isaac. He's showing him this is what it means to trust God. I don't know what the answers either, son, but this is what it looks like. They reached the place. They built the altar. They arranged the wood. He placed his son on it. And at the time came to take his son's life, you might know the story. The angel of the Lord called out from him in heaven, Abraham, Abraham, don't lay a hand on the boy. Now, lots of people have asked, well, what if he'd accidentally done it? (laughs) It's not possible, folks. God wouldn't have allowed that to happen ever, 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 period, ever, (laughs) all right? Don't lay a hand. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Sound familiar? New Testament church. Do you think Abraham was thankful in that moment? He knew that God would provide. He had no way of knowing how. He had faith to believe that both he and Isaac would come back down that mountain together somehow. Abraham rejoiced. God provided the ram to be sacrificed. And then that angel told Abraham, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I surely will bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all the nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. What an incredible trial. What an incredible reward. Do you think Isaac was listening? Or do you think that angel just spoke to Abraham? I kind of think Isaac heard the whole conversation because this was his future as well. The most precious thing on the entire planet to Abraham was all that God required of him. What's that to you? What's the most precious thing on all of this creation that God has given you in this moment? What has he blessed you with? Have you given thanks to God for that? I don't mean, yeah, I thank God for that when I got it. It was awesome. No, no, no. I mean a daily dose of praise for the provider that gave that to you, whatever that is. Holly shifts gears, but she keeps us in the Old Testament just a little bit. I think this is her favorite example of thankfulness, probably because this is her favorite book in all of the Bible. Just a hunch. I think probably any story I'd ask her about, she'd probably just point us back to this book. It's a little book called Ruth. The word thankfulness actually isn't even used in the book of Ruth anywhere, but the sentiment is found throughout. Ruth's story is one of dedication and devotion as as he and, as she and, and her uh, sister-in-law, if you will, her sister, both lost their husbands. And at the same time, not only did they lose their husbands and their mom also lost their, her sons, sure, their mom also lost their, her husband as well. The whole family, every, it was just a massive, massive tragedy with these three widows now and a mother who'd lost her sons. But Ruth does something very strange. She pledges to return home with Naomi. There was no reason for her to do that, to come and care for her and help her back in her homeland of Israel. Now, the thankfulness in this story would begin right then and there with Naomi, who could not understand why Ruth would do such a thing. Why would she leave her future behind in order to come and help her mother-in-law? But the story continues. The thankfulness just continues to be poured out as God provides a man named Boaz to take Ruth in and provide, first of all, for her and Naomi's physical needs as far as food and things like that. But ultimately, Boaz steps up. And he fully embraces this role of what's called a kinsman redeemer. He was the next in line in the family to do just such a thing for their family should a tragedy arise. He steps up. He plays the part. He fills the role. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. But he chose to honor Ruth and Naomi and his family by marrying Ruth. The story continues as God brings a son to Ruth and Boaz. The son's name is Obed. A name you probably don't know in the history of the Jewish faith, but you should. Because Obed became the father of a man named Jesse, who became the father of a man named David. Yeah, King David. The thankfulness is, is just outrageous here. Of look how God saved this little family. These little, these two widows, brought them back and just provided, 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 and through that provision provided for us as well that storyline of thanksgiving all throughout. Obviously, God continued to use that line of David ultimately to bring his son, Jesus, for all of us. <laughs> Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Jeff brings us into the New Testament with his story, and I'm so thankful that he did. If you wonder where Jeff is lately, he is a, a his, his workplace is, is, destroys him this time of year. Uh, he works for Kohl's, so... Those of you that have shopped at Kohl's, that's where he's at. Not at the store, but in the warehouse. So just so you know, that's where poor Jeff is this time of year. So we miss him, but he'll watch online. He'll know we're talking about him. It's okay. All right. The level of thankfulness in this story, in this moment, is offensive. It's so outrageous, it's literally offensive to the people in the room. The scene unfolds probably very early on in Galilee in Jesus' ministry, it's set at the home of a man named Simon. He's a Pharisee. You find it in Luke chapter seven, beginning in verse 36. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus over to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. She stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped him with her hair, kissed them, poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus in saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who this woman is that's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Huh. Guess he forgot to look around the room because everyone in the room except for one was a sinner. Now that's scandalous. That's scandalous completely scandalous. Those in charge, they condemned Jesus for even allowing the woman to express her thankfulness. She was a sinner after all. How could he accept such a gift? So Jesus knows what he's saying or thinking and says, Simon, I have something for you. Tell me, tell me teacher. Two people two people owed money to a money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50 Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave both the debts. Now, which one of them will love him more? Easy question. Simon replied right away, I suppose the one with the bigger debt that was forgiven. Ah, you judge correctly, Jesus said. Simon didn't get the connection. He turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water. She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss. This woman has not from the time I entered stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whatever, whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And Jesus turned to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Now go. In peace. This woman, listen carefully. I love this expression. This woman shows us the fragrance of thankfulness. Breathe it in. The aroma of thankfulness. It's more than just words. I love that description. She had an overwhelming debt forgiven and she knows it. So she put her thankfulness on display for everyone to see and hear and smell as she left that lasting aroma in the room and even on Jesus' body, it would have left the building and been out in the streets. Everyone would have smelled that. She was a sinner. I'm a sinner. This isn't me talking, God's word tells us that you're all sinners too. We have a lot in common with this lady. If you have come to God with a repentant heart and asked for his forgiveness, have you thanked him for that gift of forgiveness yet? Do you continually thank him for that gift of forgiveness? Are there outward signs, outward signs that people might even be offended at because you are so outrageously thankful to Jesus? Have you ever offered up a gift of thanksgiving to God so outrageous that other people looked at you and said, you were crazy. I can't believe you would give that, that you would do that, that you would go there for your God. What, what are you so, why? <laughs> because I'm so thankful. For them, it was just too much. What were you thinking? How could you give that precious gift away? How can you thank God for all he has done for you, church? Kristen's example shows us one of my favorite stories in, in all of the book of Mark. It's an outrageous story of forgiveness. We don't have time to read the whole story, but I can summarize it very quickly for you. Jesus and his disciples had gotten into a fishing boat and they've headed to the east side of the Sea of Galilee. They're now in the Decapolis, the region of 10 cities. They are not part of the Jewish faith whatsoever at all. They get there, and as they arrive, they are greeted by this amazing, amazing welcoming crew of one. It's a demon-possessed man who lives in tomb in a graveyard. He can't be bound by chains, he's too powerful. He cuts himself with stones, and oh, by the way, he isn't wearing any clothing. It's quite the welcoming committee when you show up. Everyone was terrified of this man, and I can understand why. But it says the man came when Jesus arrived and fell at his feet. You see, even though he's possessed by demons, the demons absolutely recognize Jesus from afar. These demons know their fate and they're begging Jesus not to torture them. So Jesus commands them to come out. They do. He sends them into a herd of pigs. The pigs rush down a hill. They all die. The man was freed and in his right mind but the people that had gathered were totally freaking out. What just happened? I don't know what just happened. We just lost money as the livestock went there. Who's this guy? What'd he do with him? What's going on? They plead with Jesus. They beg Jesus, get out of here. We, we, don't, know, we don't know who you are, what you are. Get out. This is crazy. We can't handle this. But the free man, the, the formerly demon-possessed man, had a slightly different feeling. In verse 18, we read it. As Jesus was getting in the boat, honoring the people's requests, Jesus does not force himself on people. You want to want me here? All right, I'm out. The demon-possessed man begged him. Just like his counterparts were begging him to go away, this man was begging to go with Jesus. Jesus didn't let him, though. He says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in all the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Now, this man had just been healed. He had a huge, huge, he was forever indebted to Jesus. He wanted to stay with Jesus. He could go on the road with Jesus and be the opening act to warm up the crowd. Hey, this is who I was. He's got a crazy story. And they're like, whoa, and then Jesus come out, usher everybody in, what a spokesman. I was lost, I was a mess, look what Jesus did for me. But Jesus says, no, 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 actually, I don't want you to go with me. Now, that seems kind of harsh. This man was hyped up, he was excited, he wanted to go with Jesus, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's get this thing started. And Jesus is like, no, I got another plan. So you want to follow me? Okay, great, how about you stay here instead Stay here, and I know these people don't like you, but they all know you. Everyone knows your story. You're kind of famous in the region. So why don't you go and tell everyone what God has done for you? This is how you can show your thankfulness to me. And that's the end of the formerly demon-possessed story, right? Well, officially, yes. We never officially see him reemerge again. But I love this part. I love this part. Remember how the people of the region were in a really big hurry to usher Jesus out of the region. They did not want to buy whatever it was Jesus was selling. But if you turn with me just probably a page in your scriptures to chapter 7 of the book of Mark, you read about an event that happened a little while later. We don't know the time frame for sure, but it was at least several months later in Mark seven you'll find that Jesus is back in the region. Some people even say the exact same area, literally the same spot might have been where this took place. And immediately when Jesus came into the area, all these people started bringing people to him to be healed. How would they know that this man Jesus came to heal? Hmm. Well, then he started teaching, and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people came to see Jesus. Now, in your scriptures, again, it's recorded that there were 4,000 people at that dinner, but that's probably only the men. So there were probably somewhere between ten and 12,000 people at that little gathering where Jesus feeds the 4,000. No, it's not the same story as the 5,000. That's a whole different region on the other side of the lake. Now, where did all those people come from? Hmm. They all wanted Jesus to leave. They didn't want anything to do with this man. But you see, when Jesus left, he left a man. He left a man who had been radically changed. His life forever changed, who was forever grateful to Jesus for what he had done for him. A man now on a mission to share his story with anyone who would listen. I guess some folks did some listening, didn't they? Is there a better way to say thank you to God than by sharing your story of his love for you, his forgiveness of your sins, his gift of eternal life, by sharing the ways he provides for you, by sharing the actual means, the things that he has provided for you with those in need around you? If we are genuinely, truthfully thankful, this is one incredible way to express it. This is God's plan for your life this outrageous thankfulness will draw other people to his name. See, God gave it all for us. And many of us have accepted that indescribable gift. But if you have not done yet, that yet, then please always remember today is the day. And, and if you don't make that decision today, tomorrow is the day. The day, the day is now. The time is now. And when you do then you too can begin to live a life of gratitude, a life of thankfulness for the new life that only he can give you. Now, our theme verse for this whole series has come from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. My hope and prayer is that you haven't let that stand alone. I always teach you, hopefully you're, you're picking up on these things, context is important, You cannot just pull a verse out of context and just apply it wherever you want. It's got to relate to the passage around it. If you're not aware of the context of this verse, please go back and read the whole chapter. Read the whole book about Paul and and this story of this church in Corinth. If you haven't looked it up, I have waited to share the context till now on purpose. Because the context leads us perfectly into next week, which is on outrageous vision. Since God brought me here, he's given me this little phrase, first of all, to help keep me pointed in the right direction, heading toward him all the time. And my prayer is that this phrase will help guide us as a church and you as individuals as we all pursue our Jesus. I think this phrase can be a source of inspiration for all of us to become the devoted follower of Jesus, the person, the mother, the father, the son, the daughter, the boss, the volunteer, the employee, whatever it is, your neighbor, whatever, it is, whatever phase of life you're in. This simple phrase, we will never become who God wants us to be by remaining who we are. We will never become who God wants us to be by remaining who we are. If you're content just being who you are, you're not who God wants you to be. You're not. He wants you to continue to grow and become more and more like him. Today's challenge to be outrageously thankful comes with a natural question. How? How can I show my thankfulness to God for all he has done and all he is doing and quite honestly, all he will do for me? What can I do to let the world around me know how thankful I am for my Jesus? God's word gives us tons of examples. We talked about just a few today. But this verse from 2 Corinthians talks more specifically about a church. And it gives another important way we can show our thanksgiving. Paul's writing about this amazing church in Corinth. And he begins chapter 9 by stating that this church is a giving church. They are enthusiastically eager to help. In other words, if there's a need out there, they wanna be the ones to meet it. They're like, let's go. How can we do it? How can we meet that? I love that. This church has promised generous gifts to those in need, and they continually deliver on that promise. So Paul continues to encourage them in their generosity. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. Paul writes these words to them. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Did you know he's talking to the church here? If the church isn't willing to sow into the people around them, guess what they're not going to do? Reap. None. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Where's the part? They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor and the poor people misused it. The poor people abused it. They wasted it. Where's that? I didn't see that in there. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply the increase and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God incredible promises in this verse This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, the church, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God, the people they're helping. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And there's your whole context. God has sown so generously in each and every one of our lives. He has freely given us the most precious gift that we could ever possibly need, his son Jesus. (laughs) And if you've not accepted that gift yet, you must know he's pursuing you right now. He has brought you to this place. He's brought you to this service online. He's brought you to this moment and he's offering you the opportunity of a lifetime to be forgiven of your sins, to be given a a new guilt-free, shame-free life in Christ Jesus. And that's only the beginning. This gift continues on into all of eternity in the presence of Jesus himself. This is the first way that you can give thanks to God for his indescribable gift for you. Accept him. Accept him as your Lord and as your Savior today. For the rest of us, maybe that have made that decision, maybe a long, long, long time ago, we already opened that gift from God We are now called upon to continually offer thanksgiving to him, to be wholly devoted to him and to him alone, to set an example for other believers here in our community, for other people around the world and around our community, to be just like this church in Corinth. Because our service, because of our service, we want others to praise our God. They won't have a choice. Why are you doing this? Because we are so thankful to our God. Because we're listening and we're following God's leading. Others will be drawn to him. Because we are constantly reaching out, pouring out from our jar, showing this community, these people, how much God loves them and how much we love them. They will be drawn to him. They might not be drawn to our church. We don't care. We want them to be drawn to Jesus. That is the most important thing. But we've got to be just like this church in Corinth who just gives and gives and gives, sows and sows and sows, and we will reap a great reward. We must be like the widow from last week, 1 Kings chapter 17, who looks at Elijah, scratch her head and say, I ain't got enough to feed you, but okay, and just keeps pouring from that jar and pouring from that jar and pouring from that jar, and there's always enough because we believe that God will keep providing. We got to keep bringing in the jahars. We got to just keep trusting in him. We must bring our worship to him, not just on Sunday, but every single day as we express our thankfulness. We must bring our offerings to him. All that we have is his. He alone has provided it for us. Our offerings include our time, yes. They include our talents, our gifts, our skills, our abilities, yes. And yes, they also include our finances. That's literally what he's talking about with this church in Corinth. They were donating, giving to the people in other churches all around them. In order to strive ahead into the areas that God is calling us, we need to be like this church in Corinth, willing to sow generously from what God has provided, not reluctantly, but joyfully. I ask this time of year, all year, does it bring you joy to give or is it stressful to give? I pray that the spirit of God within you will move you to a spirit of generosity that makes it literally a joy to give. And I pray that the more you give, the more joy God will bring you. This is not a selfish prayer for me or for the church. No, no, no. This is the word of God literally put into action. Paul writes, when we sow generously, he will allow us to reap generously. Doesn't mean financially. Doesn't mean more houses and cars and things like that. That's not it. He might. But that's not what he's talking about. Not at all. He will reward us abundantly for our faithfulness to him. That challenge, that challenge alone makes me want to be more faithful. Oh yeah! If I'm more faithful, you're more faithful. The more faith, we can't ever outfaith God. Sorry, we can't do it. It's not possible. By your obedience, by our obedience, by our generosity, God will bring people to Himself. That's His purpose. He will know. This is so important. He will know that He can trust us. He could trust us in what we do with the gifts and things that people give. He will know he could trust us to bring more people to him through this body of Christ. That's what we're striving for. We want to earn God's trust. So he knows he can send anybody here and we will love them and we will accept them and we will preach the truth of his word always and forever. He can trust us with that. And no matter how outrageous his plan might seem, We will trust him and we will follow. Next week, I get to share with you some exciting things. You don't know how hard it was to write this sermon and not share it yet. Because it's already done. It's in the books. It's ready to go. And I'm like, but I just want to do that one. And I got to get to that one. It's crazy, but it's true. It's true. It's like an author waiting for their book to be published or something. Like I just can't wait to share it with you. It's so exciting. Some of the things that we discovered this summer in our meetings, many of you were part of those meetings that we had this summer I'm going to share with you some of those things we discovered. I'm going to share with you some specific needs that we have in the church right now. So please, 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 please join us next week. When you look around this morning, if you see somebody missing, tell them, hey, you got to be there next week. Hey, you got to be there. You can't miss next week. It's so important to the future of the church. If for some reason, God forbid you end up sick or something like that, please join us online and make sure you catch next week's message on outrageous vision. Because God has a plan for this place. He has a plan for you within it. And I just can't wait to see that plan unfold. Father God, as we talk today about being outrageously thankful, we, we just celebrated Thanksgiving, but, but that's become an American holiday. But where we get together, eat food, watch football, we forget about you. Father, our lives as believers every day should just pour out thanksgiving. The spirit of God within us should just be glowing so that people see us and ask, what are you so thankful for? Don't you see the world in chaos around you? How could you possibly be grateful or thankful for that? Oh, I'm not. (laughs) But boy, am I thankful for my God who's in control of it all. My God who I have my hope in, not this world. I I don't have any hope in this world. My hope is in him and him alone. Father, I, I pray that the people that you have gathered in this place and online truly can feel how thankful that I am to be a part of this family with them. Father, it's so hard to to connect with every single person, and so I rely upon your spirit to allow that to happen, for them to know that not just me, but the rest of the staff and the leadership, Father, we love them genuinely. And no, we don't know all their needs. We wish they would share more. With us, We wish they would share all of their their praises as well so we could rejoice with them. But Father, allow them to know how much we love them, how much we care for them, and how excited we are to be in this journey of life with them. Father, we're so thankful for those that you've gathered. And Father, we're thankful for those that are yet to come. We pray, believing, knowing that you will bring more abundant crops into this house into this family. You will continue to lead people to your son through the people that are sitting in this room and watching online today. I pray we don't miss a single moment, a single opportunity to reach out to those that we're in contact with every day. So many people don't know you yet, don't know the love of a father literally in their lives and you're waiting to share that with them. And Father, if there's anybody that has gathered here today, your spirit moved them to come this very morning to accept you, maybe for the very first time. Father, we know that all of heaven rejoices when just one sinner, one sinner comes to repent before you. And so Father, we would love to rejoice along with all of heaven this morning with just that one that comes forward. Father, we love you and we thank you.